New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. Hello, I'm Justine Willis-Toms. Welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. Today, I'm hosting Lisa Broderick. She's the author of All the Time in the World, Learn to Control Your Experience of Time to Live a Life Without Limitations. I'm speaking with Ms. Broderick at her home by remote connection. Welcome, Ms. Broderick, to the New Dimensions Cafe. May I call you Lisa? Yes, please, Justine. I would love that. Thank you so much. You've been studying how time works scientifically, which includes the latest research in physics, metaphysics, and psychology, and the human construct of time. So my question is, is time static? Does it only move one way forward? Is it a forward-moving phenomena, or is it bendable and stretchable? We think of time in our experience as forever moving forward, the arrow of time, right? Where the past is behind us and cannot be changed, the present is this moment, and the future is before us, the tip of the arrow where it's going. But that's not true in science. In science, first of all, Einstein's general relativity suggests, proves, that time is stretchable and bendable like a rubber band. It's relative to how fast you are going versus how fast something else is traveling. So motion is related to time. In fact, a theory is, a theory that I subscribe to, and that is time only exists because things are moving around. If nothing moved, there would be no time. So we'll hold that thought for a moment. But the other interesting thing about science is that many of the equations which are fundamental to explaining how our universe works in physics work just as well forward as backwards. So if time is a one-way arrow, why do all of these mathematical equations fundamentally explaining our universe work just as well forward as backwards? That's curious. And then, of course, there is, in Einsteinian physics, the possibility, which he called the Einstein-Rosen bridge, of time travel. It's a wormhole, which, because it's moving around, could actually allow someone to time travel back in time and forward in time. This is all science. This seems like science fiction, and of course we see it in wonderful programs, but the truth is these concepts are being studied today. I'm thinking also Einstein talked about spooky action at a distance where things change at the same moment even though they're separated by large distances. As large as from here to outer space it's been practiced. That's called quantum entanglement. That's where two particles share some aspect, and it's technical. It's either spin or some aspect of a particle. Of course, we're talking particles we can't see. And then they're separated. If I had a particle and it had some, let's say it was the color green, and then there was another particle, I made two particles out of one particle, and I took the other particle out into space, and I kept one particle on Earth. If something happened to the particle on Earth, the particle in space would immediately change. How is that? This has been practiced for real particles 
in distances from here to space, miles and miles of the distance, and it's still being tested today to go even further away. If that's true, is matter local? Is consciousness local? What is time? That just defied time because that defied the limit, the speed limit of time is there's a speed limit of time. Time doesn't go faster, right, than the speed of light. Well, that just defied the speed of light because light can't travel as fast as those two particles experiencing the same condition instantaneously from miles away. So you're saying that the speed of light is not the basic underlying principle that everything has to relate to. There's something else happening that we may not totally understand yet. Well, for things we can see. And so again, things are moving around. My theory, time exists because things move around. We see things move around. There's an entire world where things we can't see are supposedly moving, and that would be quantum mechanics, the quantum field. What happens on a field which is so tiny that it defies our ability to directly observe it? So again, mathematical calculations are used to describe the quantum field. In the quantum field, the speed of light does not apply because quantum entanglement is real. For our physical world, our Einsteinian world, our Newtonian world, where you drop the apple and gravity has a descent to the earth, then the speed of light definitely applies. But there's a world out there. There's another world which we're discovering increasingly every day where the, the same principles of physics that govern our everyday world will be defied by a new world. I call this the new science of time. Do you think that there will ever be a supercomputer that can mimic what is going on in our field of consciousness? Well, there are supercomputers now, and they're rated as how quickly they process right now. And in fact, the world's most fast processing computers are mimicking the human brain in a lot of ways and using quantum mechanics in order to do it. So using quantum mechanics and all kinds of other physics of the physics we cannot see, these supercomputers are running incredibly fast. Could we apply that to thoughts and how thoughts are generated? I have friends who are scientists in this field, and they do believe it's possible that human thoughts will be generated by the putting together of particles in, in a way that we understand to generate new thoughts. If that's true, does that mean if something thinks, then it's alive? Is it alive? If it's thinking for its own, does it have consciousness? Did we just generate consciousness? What about the second law of thermodynamics and the first law where energy is neither created nor destroyed? What happened with that? This is such a wonderful field for exploring, you know, our ideas of beyond imagination of what could be. I would say that we're going to discover ways of being in the world that we couldn't have imagined 10 years ago, which will change our world forever. Think about the telephone when it was invented, the television, right? The computer, the internet, the phone that's in your pocket, which as my mother described, who sold large computers in her career, which was more powerful than the $5 million computer she sold for a major computer company. And it's in our pocket. It's not a phone. It's a computer, a powerful one. So we're going to discover these ways of being in the world to totally shift our view of how the world works. Well, I just wonder, my question about a supercomputer, it seems to me 
that computers run on an on-off switch, kind of on or off, on off. So it's kind of binary. But in thought, there's a simultaneity to thought that things can exist on top of things. It's not on and off. So are these supercomputers like getting around that on-off, either-or situation? They are using quantum mechanics. And so think back to what we talked about in terms of quantum entanglement. There's no on-off. That's instantaneous, like thoughts. What if we could apply those principles to computing to generate thoughts in a way that was instantaneous, in a way that was not uh, beholden to time, that was not bound by time? And increasingly so, scientists are doing this more and more. Obviously, the computers are immensely complex, and then they're used for very great calculations. But I think as we move into that, we will be able to use these principles of quantum mechanics to generate what we think of as consciousness. So tell me, Lisa, does that mean that we will be able to change the past? Is that possible? Theoretically, in science, changing the past, that's an Einstein-Rosen bridge. That's a wormhole where you could go back and you could solve what's called the grandfather's paradox. Here's the grandfather's paradox. I live my life and I meet someone who has time traveled to the future who happens to be my grandfather and I kill my grandfather. Now, if I kill my grandfather, then I don't exist. How can I exist if I killed my ancestor who bore me? And the way that that's solved in quantum physics is through the multiverse, where every single thought and every activity of every instant of consciousness emanating from any being generates a new universe, infinite and without end. So that if I do kill my grandfather because my grandfather moved forward in time, or I went backward in time and killed someone who bore me later, I would just end up in a different universe. And that solves the grandfather's paradox, which means that in fact, yes, it is possible. I remember years ago when there was a book called Seth Speaks. Yes. And I think that was the first time that I really became aware of the multi-universes that may be running all at the same time, and possibly we can jump from one to another. This is just fascinating. So if there's anything that you want to say about how we can really live our life without the limitations that we normally live with in time, in the way that we conceptualize time. We can throw out the illusion that time is an arrow, which is forever flying forward without end, and the past is behind us and cannot be changed, and the future cannot be known yet. In many of these theories of time, that is an illusion where how we show up for a situation and experience could actually change that. So imagine this. Imagine that there's a phone call that's going to be made to you where you get a job or don't get a job. And you're worrying about getting the phone call. First of all, what's the best use of your, quote, time? It would be to use an exercise where we live the experience in advance of the phone call being exactly what we want it to be. So now we're looking forward to the phone call. We're not in fight or flight. We've lived the experience that we get the job, the phone call is positive, and everything is wonderful. That's number one. And then going through our experience of it, when we actually experience it, we are showing up in a way 
that does it change the field? Does it change our physical reality? Is there something about that? Think back to quantum entanglement. Are we entangled with the person making the call? Is consciousness non-local so that our experience of loving this outcome is changing it? I will tell you that there's something called the quantum eraser in quantum mechanics. And that is the, the delayed choice experiment where consciousness causes collapse and an observer is observing an event. Well, there's a way to do that where the past is changed. And experiments have been done with random number generators where random numbers have been generated. And then later on, after consciousness has been applied, thoughts and the desire for an outcome have been applied to magnetic media, the random numbers generated are no longer random, which is not possible. So did the past change? The people who did the random number experiment weren't born yet, but they thought of it later. And what was captured on the media in terms of the random numbers generated had been changed in the present. Does that mean the past was changed? Does that mean there's no past and there's only now? If there's only now, then how we want to show up for every situation is the best, most positive, complete, loving way we can be, which is a benefit to all, a detriment to none, joy like children in our hearts. I think that is the advice any of us could take to really live a life without limitations. Thank you so much. That's wonderful advice and a wonderful concept to be present in our lives in that loving way and with joy and expectation of all good things. I want to thank you so much, Lisa, for being with us on the New Dimensions Cafe today. Justine, it has been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I've been speaking with Lisa Broderick, author of All the Time in the World, Learn to Control Your Experience of Time to Live a Life Without Limitations. And I've been speaking with Ms. Broderick at her home by remote connection. To find out more about her work, go to her website, lisabroderick.com. And she spells her last name B-R-O-D-E-R-I-C-K, Lisa Broderick. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. I want to thank you for joining us at the New Dimensions Cafe. I invite you to please join us again. You've been listening to the New Dimensions Cafe. This series of shorter interviews features many of the remarkable guests also featured on our internationally syndicated one-hour New Dimensions radio series. To access more than a thousand hours of programs, to subscribe to our newsletters, or to become a member, please visit us at newdimensions.org. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You, too, can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support.